join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. My name is Christopher Burton. Uh, I play in, let's start from the longest running, um, the New Orleans Concert Band, the uh, Post 350 Legion Band, uh, that's out here in Metairie, mm-hmm. um, Pericura Panic, which is an anime cover band, and my own band, Hitting Wind Saxophone Ensemble. And that's the one that you registered on NewOrleansMusicians.com. Mm-hmm. That's the one I have a Facebook page for. And yeah. We meet tomorrow. I got to do a bunch of stuff for the band still. Like, I, I still need to start going around talking to people to try to book things, you know. Right, yeah. And you're playing saxophone in all of those? I'm playing saxophone in all of those, yes. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to start kind of when you were a child and what kind of music you were hearing in your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the, the, were your parents big music fans? So, uh, I'm a chatty baby, born like Wayne. Chatty baby! <laughs> um, right in the city of New Orleans, Chatty yeah. Hospital, Tulane Avenue. Uh-huh. You know? And um, as a kid, I grew up listening to a lot of, uh, what do you call it, vinyl records? Sure. Right? And a lot of gospel. So a lot of Shaka Khan, a lot of Minnie Ripperton, mm-hmm. a lot of Etta James, Sam Cooke, Coco... Coco, oh, I'm going to get this lady's name wrong. Uh, Coco Taylor, I want to say, like the old school lady who did. I'm not remembering a Coco. Oh, I, I might be butchering her name. I, I'm not good with names. Um, but I listen to that stuff, Otis Redding, James Brown. Like, that's always playing in our house. And, and that was what, like your parents' record My collection? parents, yeah. My parents and grandparents. Yeah. We, had, we had one of these um, tabletop phonograph players yeah you know those big ones with the big old speakers in it sure one of those yeah. katrina damaged it and oh, we would still have it yeah that's a bummer <laughs> uh, it damaged all our vinyl records too so all our shocker kind of oh, like got damaged so we had we had the vinyl yeah we had like two crates of vinyl records nice <laughs> so they were they were all big music fans so you grew up around that mm-hmm. and um but, but more than that my dad played bass and uh in a gospel band. Oh, okay. And I remember being a kid and him taking us around, not a, just every once in a while. I can remember just two instances where he took me and my sister around with him to a gig. Like one gig he had in Jackson. That's the one I remember distinctly. I'm mm-hmm. like, I remember being in Jackson and y'all just rocking the house. Yeah. <laughs> what what place was this? What kind of venue was it? Uh, it was the church. Oh, okay. Church, so, gospel. Gotcha. And uh, I believe he played with the band, the Randolph Brothers, at the time. Mm-hmm. So he's the bass player. So my dad, the bass player. Yeah. Um, and that was. How old were you? Oh, probably about six, seven. Okay. Like really young. 
I don't remember. Probably four. I don't know. I was young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super, really super young. young. Yeah. Um, did it grab you? Did it really, I mean, was it something that resonated with you immediately or is it just something he did? I think it's something that resonated with me because I remember going to church, um, especially when I was young. I don't go to church a lot now, but but even now, I just love some good gospel music. I just, mm. Sure. Even though I may not feel, you know, mm, but but the music grabs me. It's yeah. just so interesting, <laughs> yeah. so powerful, so moving. Mm, I love the music. Yeah, I well, I mean, it, it gave birth to many different genres. <laughs> and even if you're not catching the spirit like you're talking about, it's, <laughs> the music. It, it, it's got a groove. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, when the churches I went to, the Baptist churches I went to, there was always a band playing. Sure. So I thought that's how church was supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go places Episcopalian and like, what you, what is the singing they're doing? What is that? What is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Well, that did not resonate with you. Then, oh, not as much. <laughs> yeah. So um, your dad was in a, a band that played in church as a gospel band. Uh, was it strictly in churches or did he do any other gigs? It was strictly churches, even though they would they would also play at jazz fest at the time. So, nice. so they they were always in the gospel tent, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, even now, I'll tell you more about that later. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Fair there's, enough. There's, there's, there's a lot more to the musical story. Sure. And uh, what age did you pick up a instrument? What was your first instrument? Oh. My first instrument was the saxophone. Okay. And it wasn't because anybody told me to do it. In fact, nobody was telling me to do it. <laughs> nobody said, go play the saxophone and right. be like, no, everybody was like, eh. yeah. this, this was, uh, I was 15. Okay. And when I was 15 um, in high school, I was just doing anything and everything I could. So I was one of those kids that was on everything. Debate club, newspaper, okay. drama, <laughs> just football team. I tried out for that. I didn't try out for the basketball team. I suck at basketball. <laughs> but gardening club, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. everything. So I was like, hmm, I'm from New Orleans, and I don't know a whole lot of blues and jazz. I'll pick up an instrument and learn something. Yeah. So went to the band, and he was like, yeah, I'll put you on sax. I'm like, that's fine. I want to do sax anyway. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you were easily intimidated by any kind of challenge because you just both feed in no matter what it was, right? I believe in my ability to do anything if I set out to do it. Sure. Like, I may have to practice for the saxophone. I've been playing 21 years at this point, but some 36 in, in a couple of days. Um, but, but I believe in my ability to learn anything anything sure just given enough time and patience um i still got that c in my piano classes in college <laughs> i'm really not that good at piano but if i needed to i could work at it and get good at it i'm confident in that <laughs> sure well i think that's necessary to be comfortable you need to be comfortable to be able to reach your full potential i mm -hmm. think you know you mm -hmm. can't be you can't have trepidation and and, and then um kind of not put your best foot forward and not put all your effort into it, you know what I mean? Exactly right. Or get discouraged, you know what and, I mean? And um, that reminds me, with, with that work ethic that I think I have, I think it's work ethic more than talent. Yeah, I, maybe I have a talent for sticking with something. Sure. <laughs> 
but I still don't think it's talent. Like, I absolutely suck for years and years. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, somebody told me the same thing uh, when I was learning to, to steer a boat. Mm -hmm. He said, I said, how am I doing so far? And he says, well, in a long pause, and he says, you're not a natural. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, I mean, it, it's all in how you take that because somebody could tell you that you're not a natural, but you don't sound half bad. And that pretty much equals you're fantastic because you had to work twice as hard to get where you are now, you know? So, I mean, it can be encouraging. It's just all, all in how you receive it, I guess, and what you do from there, I, you know? I agree with that. So I picked it up late. Yeah. So pretty late. Um, and actually, my mom played clarinet. I found this out way later. Um, my mom died when I was really young. So I was like six or seven when she passed away. Mm. So 90... 95, I think it was, when she passed away. 94, I don't remember, 93, I don't remember. I got the death certificate. Mm -hmm. um, but it was when I was really young. And I found out later that she actually played clarinet. You oh. know, uh, my auntie actually picked up the clarinet when she was in high school, my youngest auntie. And I remember listening to her practice in her room. You know, our rooms were like right next door to each other. Mm -hmm. So I listened to my youngest auntie practicing her clarinet you know she was all right <laughs> yeah. she squeaked a lot yeah <laughs> squid <Squeak> with <laughs> oh look I, I, I can't talk i picked up a, a saxophone one time in my at my friend's house and he had a beagle and a beagle just started ooh, screaming the dog told me you know you're not a natural <laughs> i think beagles is a more sensitive because my roommate's beagle also does that whenever no he does even worse even if i pull out the horn he'll look at it and be like yeah and run out the horn. that's terrible <laughs> they're not encouraging animals i guess huh? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so you um do you feel like uh brass piqued your interest because of what you found out about your mother or was it just something I think uh, it was more just when I, um, back when I was in high school, the popular music was, you know, the R&B and the hip hop, you know, so that's DMX, that's Drew Hill, sure. you know, these, these artists of the time, Aaliyah, right, that's the stuff always in my ear every single day in the city of New Orleans. Sure. It's when I was doing some looking around, because, you know, New Orleans is still known for, the, for jazz and all that, and... It happened across my attention that the best-selling albums in the city, because I was like, hmm, why people keep talking about this jazz and blues and stuff? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the best-selling album even in the city? And I found out that it was still blues, R&B. No, it was blues, jazz, and then R&B rap. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh, that's curious. Right. <laughs> and this was in, in a the local city, context or national? Local context. Okay. So in the context of New Orleans. Yeah. Um, it was just the best-selling album in the city gotcha. of New Orleans. Yeah. It was not rap. It was not R&B. That may be what the locals were listening to a lot of. Sure. But the sales, what was driving record sales, what was selling was the blues and the jazz. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that sells most. There's a whole subculture that that's exactly holds it up, you know. Yeah, and but also when people come in, they buy it, you know, the tourists and all that buy. It. But then I was like, I'm from New Orleans, and I know very little about this. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong with that. <laughs> that's why I picked it up. Yeah, no other reason. <laughs> well, it's no curious though, because you're, you're still you're still talking about what, like 16 years old, 15. Mm -hmm. You don't normally see a 15 or 16 year old 
look for local relevance or context because they're flooded with top 40. They're oh. flooded with whatever's getting the most views. The, the Britney Spears listens. of the times. Right. <laughs> and it, it's so prominent. It's everywhere that, like you're saying, you have to go look for what you're you talking about. You have to go you look know? for it. And I had to look for it. Yeah. Now, once I found it, of course, New Orleans being what it is, the community is there. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but I didn't know that I, well, I thought I needed to be, being a New Orleans native, that I needed to somehow carry some of that, you know. Like a history. social responsibility. Yeah, some yeah. of that. And not let just people coming in from everywhere do it for us. Sure. Know, that I should do some of it. Yeah. And nobody told me that. I just figured that on my own yeah and then later on i would hear you know jazz people talk about it and be like oh yeah, yeah. i'm now, with you yeah. <laughs> but i came to that well like conclusion we said before <laughs> there's a there's a whole subculture if you want to call it that um mm -hmm. that that supports it it's like finding a whole new room in the house or something you know what i mean mm -hmm. fascinating but so you're in the midst of when you pick up the saxophone you're in the midst of 20 other different things scholastically <laughs> yeah. um how did you how did you manage to juggle that and was it was it okay at first or was it really hard um i had the benefit of a really good band it was a small band i went to um frederick Douglass high school okay at 3820 st claude avenue mm -hmm. still there uh it's a kip school now it's kip at Douglas. um Lindsay jackson was our band director and at this time, this was, I guess, before the great decline of bands in the city. Sure. So this is pre-Katrina. Mm -hmm. You know, 2001 to 2005 is when I went there. So this is 2003, I think I joined the band. So my, my 11th grade year, 10th grade year, I don't remember. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. I joined the band. And Lonzy Jackson was the band director, and I just loved the music we was playing. Like, we were doing things like Never Too Much mm -hmm. with the Vandross. Um, we were doing things like, like we would take um, some of the top 40. I remember doing uh, Mary J. Blige's 911. Loved that version we did. Yeah. And then we would do, like, Let It Whip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so it, they, they kept it interesting. Yeah, they kept it really interesting. <laughs> I was playing whole notes for the most part, but uh -huh. it, it piqued my interest enough that I stayed with it for about two years mm -hmm. in, in school. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it was it was enough that I dropped some other stuff to Did do you? more band. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the the, the music bug period. was full on at that point. And then, because um, I was quickly made section leader. <laughs> nice, but. Soon after that, you know, parade, marching season, and all this other stuff, I, I got frustrated with my bandmates, with my section in particular, because I was always trying to get, whatever I do, I try to get better at that. Sure. Right? And and my section was not of that same ilk. Hmm. <laughs> they were not of the, let's work to get better. Because I would tell them things like, yo, we need to play together because we're not going to be heard over them trumpets. There's like 20 of them. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like four of us. Yeah. We got to play together. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, hey, your, your, your setup is not right. And they would just give me talk back and push back all the time. I was like, oh, why am I section leader? Wasn't a common so eventually goal. Eventually, I left, I left it. But I always wanted to get back to playing. So first year of college, 
I got back to playing. Did you? <laughs> yes. First year of college. Oh, well, how long of playing. a hiatus was that? <sighs> About a year and a couple months. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. But I wanted to get back because I enjoyed it. Sure. <laughs> Even though I was mostly playing whole notes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was well, learning. You I was were learning. learning, right. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. learning. But that's cool that they were picking, <laughs> they were picking tunes that um, kind of made it appealing to kids it was it was a combination of the old and the new well as opposed to marching band standards or something oh, yeah. you know what this I'm is saying? we're talking new orleans we, right. we don't do the marching band standards. right i didn't play a susan march until i got into my fourth year of college well congratulations <laughs> man. That, that's what kept you going i think you know yeah this almost i don't know what it is now exactly i, I know miss muhayman at um warren east not warren eastern at um What's that? What's that school on um, Canal Street? At Easton? No. I think so. That's Easton, right? Uh, yeah, the school on Canal Street, one Easton. Um, she wouldn't be playing that. Right. <laughs> she knows of it, mm-hmm. but she's not about to have her students play that. They're going to play something from Southern or something. Yeah. You know, they're not going to play. That's cool. Because that's just not what we do in New Orleans. We, we don't play music in New Orleans really for ceremonial purposes. It's for the enjoyment of the music. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you want something groovy. You want something you can it's groove swing. to. It's that, got can, a, yeah. that has a swing. You want something that kids can easily learn by ear because, you know, unfortunately, we're not really teaching reading skills as in-depthly as we should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's more about the feeling mm-hmm. than the, you know. I get right it. Right. Yeah. Note. <laughs> it's more about the feeling. Um, I wanted to ask you because you told me you were telling me before we started recording mm-hmm. about um, your hearing. Mm. What would you call it? Hearing disability. So in the beginning, um, did you kind of face any pushback because people didn't understand that you would still be able to <laughs> function nor- at a normal rate or a normal level? There's a whole story to that. Sure. <laughs> There's a whole story to that. So my mm-hmm. hearing loss happened when I was very young. Um, I had spinal meningitis. Okay. The good thing it didn't kill me. <laughs> right. Right, but it damaged the the nerves in my ear. Okay. Uh, the fluid, and I found out that once the hearing nerves are gone, they're gone. There's no growing back. There's okay. no. Nope. They're gone. Never to come back. Okay. So I've had this hearing since I was 18 months old. It's been like this. Gotcha. And I remember growing up. So this is a story now. Sure. So I remember growing up and there will be instances when I've had severe vertical. And I'll be like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm not sick. I don't have a fever. I just have severe vertical right now. Yeah. And it was during those puberty time periods, really. And the doctor would say, it's probably because of your imbalance in your hearing. Uh-huh. It's your, your brain is just not able to right, it's all correct relative. it all the time. Mm-hmm. I've had only one bout of that since I turned 23 or so. So I had one bout of that severe vertical. Great. But when I was 12, 10, 7, it would make me throw up. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it was severe vertical. Yeah. I just couldn't. It's like, I can't see straight. I cannot see straight right yeah. now. Everything is just, oh. <laughs> so that aside, um, the, the hearing so loss. So I've had it for a long time. And I had a speech impediment. Gotcha. Um, I think most people don't realize 
I'm hearing impaired unless I tell them. Uh huh. Because ten years of speech therapy, um, I, I remember distinctly. Um, I, I tell this story a lot, but I remember um, being in the hallway when I was a kid in the Faith and Art Projects, and it was a hot day, and I wanted a frozen cup, and I said, "Mom, can I have a quarter? Quarter?" Mm. And she was like, "You want some water?" <laughs> speech impediment. Right. So when I was a kid. Yeah. So I didn't talk a whole lot when I was a kid, um, and nobody really knew I had a hearing impairment, mm -hmm. except you know the teachers and stuff. So the teachers, <laughs> but nobody knew. really knew. Right. And nobody else really knew. And did know. it? Did it occur? They knew to I had you? a lisp. Yeah. But they didn't know I was hearing impaired, and yeah. that the hearing it was because I was hearing impaired that I had the speech impediment. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And now they don't recognize it because. All the years of speech therapy. Right. S speaking the sounds that I can't hear. Sure. <laughs> and it, it to to for everybody listening or, or watching, uh, it was it was just in part. It was a partial mm -hmm. hearing loss. It's partial, yeah. So it's a range of hearing losses, left and right ear. Uh-huh. Um, with both ears open, I actually hear about normal. Mm-hmm. About normal. For anybody living in a big city. Sure. So it's medium to low hearing loss in the left ear, so I can't hear whispers okay. in this ear. It sounds like static if somebody whispers in there. I'm like, I can't understand. It sounds like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like bullcrap. Right. And it's high frequency loss in the right ear. Yeah. So if I'm listening to a clarinet in the upper range, I might hear it, but more chances are I won't. Yeah. Because it's, it's gone. Yeah. You know, not to be heard. Um, I, I know that when my alarm goes off, if I'm sleeping on my right side mm -hmm. and that alarm is high pitch, I will not wake up. Yeah. Because, oh, if I'm sleeping on my left side, rather, because I can't hear those high frequencies in this right ear. Gotcha. Just how does how does that <laughs> how does that translate into what you? I have a tendency to play on saxophone. Do you prefer uh, the lower notes? I do. Yeah. I do, even though. The sax, the alto sax in particular, doesn't go up that high. Even at its extremist range in altissimo, it's like C6. Sure. So it's not that high. Right. You know, um, anything above that, then it gets a little, mm, yeah. I can't really, like D7, I can't hear that note. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, are you, note. you're composing music, correct? A little bit, yeah. So do you find that you have a tendency to dwell in the, the lower octaves of the sax mm. when you're writing music i can't say i have tendencies yet i don't write enough <laughs> okay fair <laughs> enough but i do love the lore i love the i mean i play this baritone sax which is sitting over there uh -huh. you know and i love playing the baritone sax yeah. i love the low range yeah um that's funny I, I do love the low range yeah um not only that but you know with low range you get all the subharmonics and the overtones sure so it's just i don't know i just i love the low range. yeah <laughs> i love the low range. so to back us up a little bit you're in college now mm -hmm. and um you're playing in the college band did you start as soon as you got there and where was it again i'm sorry the first college i went to so this was um i graduated 2005 katrina hit in 05 of 20 2005 August 2005, so I had graduated. Yeah, you know, I graduated in May. I was in Virginia 
at the time. My first year of college was actually not in New Orleans. This is the kind of kid I was. I was like, oh, I've lived in New Orleans my whole life. Mm, I need to go somewhere else for a little bit. Get out and see the world. <laughs> I got to huh? see a little bit yeah. of what's happening. Um, so I decided to go to Hampton, Sydney. Not Hampton. Not Virginia Beach. Right. Hampton, Sydney. Small liberal arts college mm-hmm. in South Central Virginia. The nearest town was the county seat of Formville. Virginia. Farmville. That sounds like a thriving metropolis. <laughs> yeah. In Prince Edwards County. Yeah. Okay. In Virginia. Loved the school. It was expensive. I came back home real quick. But when I got there, they was like, oh, you're from New Orleans. You happen to play anything? I'm like, yeah, I played saxophone. And it's like, oh, come play. Yeah. <laughs> so they gave me a saxophone to play, uh, school saxophone. And so I was playing when I got to Virginia. Cool. You know, and then when I came back home, uh, a friend of mine, Stephen Gladney, um, who is doing big things now, my brother from another mother, he started when he was seven. I still like, oh, you got that head start. <laughs> I swear if I had started at seven, I'll be as good as you. Yeah. <laughs> but but Stephen gave me my first saxophone. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, I have this extra saxophone. Here's yours. Nice. I'm like, dude, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> At that time, he was already like touring in Paris time to time. Nice. He was like, how old is Stephen is what, eight or nine years younger than me or mm-hmm. something? I'm like, man, I'm always jealous of that dude. <laughs> like you said, he got that head start too, you know? <laughs> I'm still jealous. He goes to Paris and plays and I'm like, uh. <laughs> so you came, you came back to New Orleans and where were you going to school at that point? Uh, I enrolled at University of New Orleans. Okay. And I didn't start playing music there until three or four years down the line because I didn't know they actually had a band that anybody could join. Oh, okay. I was like, this should be advertised maybe. Right. <laughs> but you know, and I went to UNO, <laughs> I went to UNO too and uh, the term campus life, like there is no, That's no real congealing yeah. of any sort over really. there. It's, it's really. as close to a technical college as it could possibly be. They try, but it's, yeah. mm, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. do try. So you discover they have a band and start playing over there. And um, at what point do you start to join bands outside of the scholastic mm. system? Um, when I wasn't good enough. So for me, it was just for my own purposes. I remember wanting to get better at, so when Steven gave me that saxophone in 2006, um, I remember wanting to get better, mm-hmm. right? So I remember buying method books, you know, practicing stuff, just all the stuff on my own. And uh, 07, 08, I was substitute teaching from time to time. So I would go into these schools and be like, yo, band director. <laughs> Can I practice in here? I'll help out your students a little bit, teach them a little thing or two. And so I started doing stuff like that to try to get better mm-hmm. at, at playing. And eventually, I did start playing. Nope, it was the college band came first. So the wind ensemble, because it was a school band at the time. Okay. The New Orleans Concert Band is a separate organization that just happens to be housed at the University of New Orleans. Okay. Um, so they're, they're non-profit 501c3 and all that um, but Wind Ensemble was actually a university class that anybody could join so I started that first in 
nine, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It's been so long. I want to say oh nine. So about 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is something that existed previously that you joined yeah, into. Yeah, I just joined into that. Okay, gotcha. Because um, they were just inviting people to come play. I'm mm-hmm. like, I play sax. Um, and I remember audition. I remember working on audition material, sitting at Douglas Band Room. Um, Mr. Ali was our band director at the time. He was a graduate from Southern University. Mm-hmm. He was the band director over there. And I remember working on pieces. And I go to the audition, and uh, Dr. Taylor over there is like, all right. Because I auditioned on alto. And he was like, how about playing baritone sax? I'm like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I start playing baritone sax um, over there. And quickly after that, 2012, 2013, even 2010 even, like my dad would ask me, hey, come and play with our band. Come and come to this rehearsal. So I would go to the gospel rehearsal and play a couple of things and I'll be like, yeah, we like that. All right, mm, cool. How much brass is typically in a gospel band? <laughs> Not a lot. I don't think so. <laughs> Not a lot. Um, uh, I remember being living on Music Street in the, in the 8th Ward uh-huh. and uh, I met a guy named Perry who had the band called Second Line, reggae band, mm-hmm. and they would rehearse twice a week. I would go over there and play. Um, I remember, this is all in this course of trying to get better at the sax. I wanted sure. to play with people. Yeah. I remember the summer when I considered myself to be good. <laughs> like, I got good, G-U-D. Mm-hmm. I got good. <laughs> was the summer of 2014. Um, I was going to Melvin's, uh, Melvin's, next to Gene's Po' Boys. Okay. That little club right there. In that club on Tuesday nights, over the summer, I went every Tuesday night. Um, BJ on bass um, played with Irma Thomas. Mm-hmm. That BJ, crazy one. Um, uh, Tony, I think his name was on keys. Mm-hmm. He actually happened to play sax as well. Um, oh man, I forget the guy who was on drums and the guy who was on trombone. He passed away. Um, but but I would go there and they would like literally just be giving me an education on hey when you're playing this purple rain you actually don't have to do a whole lot it's just the blues man yeah <laughs> so I learned from them old cats <laughs> well that's good it was like a restructuring of sorts you well, know? I learned from old cat and that's when I probably got good so yeah 2014 probably when I got good about nine ten years after I started playing the saxophone I was like oh I'm actually kind of good now well I mean up until <laughs> that point up until that point I mean, you lived on paper right there was no improvisation it was all mm-hmm. uh exactly. instruction so exactly. this was kind of like a deconstruction of sorts of sorts yeah so I had learned all this theory and stuff and I was like I'm just not able to put it into practice and I was just trying to get better at improvisation at playing on the fly playing what i hear yeah you know and if that was that was the summer when it was like it all came together been yeah. able to do that on the on the tuesdays every tuesday yeah that was that was the point there's so many yeah. artists that i interview where that's just that moment is like being born again mm-hmm. because it's like starting your journey over again but with so much more on your going for you you know <laughs> yes. what i mean and um, it's, from what I'm understanding, it's, it's very freeing to still be able to take what you've learned, mm-hmm. but then 
implement it in a different manner that's more casual, you know? And I think that's what made you feel like you were good because it was it was more comfortable now. Well, finally. Yeah. Well, you're in <laughs> your stripes, you know? crap for so yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. So actually being able to play in my grandfather, like, ah, you can stay right there and play. You don't got to go outside. <laughs> Beautiful. That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> I've made it. They never say you're good. They just, they just, they don't sneer at you like, as much. You know? <laughs> you're all right. You can practice right here. That's a compliment from an old timer, you know? <laughs> I remember, oh my goodness, many times I'll be practicing, my grandfather would be like, we don't take that shit outside. <laughs> Well, that, that's, the, that's the scale of how well you're doing, you know. He didn't run you off, so you might be halfway decent. Um, so I'm all the way decent now because yeah. I, I, I was, um, a couple years ago, my auntie had a birthday party. She lived on the West Bank. And I'm over there, and my, my cousin, cousin, extended family, um, Clay is, is running the DJ booth. He, he DJing. Mm-hmm. And so I bring my saxophone because I bring my saxophone pretty much everywhere. And I'm like, I'll play a tune or two. So I got, I hop up and I play some stuff with, with, with Clay. And my auntie is like, well, you got really good. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Clay's like, play another one with me. I'm like, that's awesome. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. Yeah. It took time to get there, but it feels good. Talk a little <laughs> bit more. So you've kind of co- you've kind of covered the uh, Hidden Wind uh, mm-hmm. saxophone ensemble and how that came about. Um, talk about some of the other projects that you're involved in, just uh, how they came about and what y'all are currently doing, because you're in several. Oh, yeah, I'm in several. So the New Orleans Concert Band came about because um, University of New Orleans, as universities do, uh, got rid of the education, music education program. Mm-hmm. And that reduced the, uh, the student count in the Department of Music substantially. Mm-hmm. Like it went from being like 300 and something students to being like 80, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because there was no music ed program. Like most people do music ed. At that point, what are they in? What are the 80 people in? Jazz mostly. <laughs> the jazz studies program. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause, you know, still so what is it? It's studies. like jazz history? It's and not... I, I'm pretty sure I got those numbers wrong. No, it's jazz studies. So it's jazz composition. It's jazz history. Mm-hmm. It's it's um jazz performance gotcha it just it's it the, shrunk it's the, down yeah but it shrunk down so most of the students all of a sudden in the music department were in the jazz studies program gotcha well you still got the conducting program and the voice and the instrumental people but most of them were music education gotcha so they were doing these other stuff but they were music education primarily because what's the point what what why do you need to go to school for music when you can just learn music and sure. just play yeah you know, you're getting the music ed degree so that you can also teach it with credentials. Gotcha. You know, that's the purpose. Yeah. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally in the middle of podcasts, they give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, we like to shout out our members. Today, I've got a member by the name of Icarus Jones. They're a five-piece alt-rock rock and roll band with some occasional bluesy country tendencies. Some of the members have come to settle in New Orleans and Lafayette, but they're all originally from Raceland, Thibodeau, and Homa. Their influences vary, being that Metallica, Led Zeppelin, Tool, Queens of the Stone Age, and Merle Haggard all have inspired the members. 
A few of them were born into musical families, and they played frequently in other bands by the time they were in their 20s. Now in their 30s, the next logical step was to begin creating original music together, and this is how Icarus Jones came to be. You can find their hit single, Clouds, on NewOrleansMusicians.com, and their latest album, Motion, is currently on Spotify, and it's doing quite well. I see a lot of talent in these guys, and I know you will too. Check out a snippet of the hit single, Clouds, from Icarus Jones. Check it out. And now back to our show. So, so when that happened, the wind ensemble pretty much fell apart. Not enough players, mm-hmm. and um, so in in order to keep us playing, and because we were such good players, the director was like, "You are welcome to join the New Orleans Concert Band." So I joined the New Orleans Concert Band, which was already practicing at the university. And you said it was separate and of the been university. Since, yeah, they've been around since 1979. Gotcha. It's a, pretty long-running organization um, founded by a guy named Peter Dorbarian. Dorbarian? Dorbarian. He's a legendary figure in the band world here in the city. Okay. Right. A lot of the people in that band are still like his former students. Mm-hmm. Right? Back from when he was a band director at local high school or something on that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So, so that happened. So that's why I'm part of that band. I think I'll continue to be part of that band. We do such good music. Right? Where do you perform? What, what are the performances like? So we perform normally at the University of New Orleans, um, at Audubon Park, mm-hmm. um, once to one to two times a year. If we can get there, we we like to play at Lafreniere Park in the um, the the what they call it, the classical meadows or something. I forget what they call it, but in the little meadows part mm-hmm. of Lafreniere Park, right up here. Um, so we usually do four to five concerts a year. This year we're doing five. So University of New Orleans is where most of the concerts are. So what are you, y'all are rehearsing for the bulk of the year, and then you mm-hmm. play several yeah. concerts we, and we, at the end we of just, the year? We just do one, one a week. So we rehearse once a week, two hours, you know, late in the evening, because that's mm-hmm. when people be off work and stuff. Sure, yeah. You know, like we have a bunch of retired people in there. Like, uh, you know, uh, Josh, Josh Norman, that's not his name. Norman Roberts. He used to be the, a the newscaster. News anchor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he plays euphonium and he's a darn good euphonium player. Really? Yes. That's he fun. plays in that band. That's funny. He's a darn good euphonium player. Like, darn good. <clears throat> that's funny. <laughs> darn good. He's retired. Yeah. He comes there every Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's funny. So you have people that are retired. You have people who are retired and still working part-time doing stuff. You have lawyers, you have consultants, you have teachers, you have students, um, and you have musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, people who just play music or in there. So it's a great group of people. Sure. Great mix. Diverse. Yeah. Diverse. Yeah. Um, and we're playing some pretty difficult music. Uh, last year, I remember we did the Sweeney Tide, music from Sweeney Tide. That was fun. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that Is it different fun. every year? Mm, it's different every year. Yeah. We... we to, we, we get a chance to draw on this library that's been up 
compiled since 1969. Uh-huh. So we have thousands of pieces to choose from. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Thousands of pieces. Um, marches and, and scores from movies and all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> some of it really difficult, some of it just fun. Yeah. <laughs> some of it's just fun. We have Rhapsody in Blue, for instance. That's it, cool. We played that one year. That was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that band. Uh, the the other band that I joined was because a friend of mine, Sherman Leggett, who was the um, co-conductor of the New Orleans concert band, was asked to conduct the um, Legion band, the Post mm-hmm. 350 band. And then he asked me, hey, Chris, you want to come over and play with me? I'm like, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> More chances to read. You know, you can't get enough reading in a city that wants you to play by ear all day. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Let's go over there and play. And so I went over there and started playing with that band. Uh, been playing with them for four years, five years now. Mm-hmm. Five years, I think. Maybe six. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, so that's how I got started with that band. Similar to the concert band, except that it's smaller, less music selection. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a, as the name implies, post 350 yeah. you know, band. So it's a lot of ceremonial, a lot of marches. But we do some fun tunes over there, too. Yeah. Um, and then let's see the other group. Uh, let's talk about Puricure Panic first, because that's my roommate's band. Spell that for me, please. Ha <laughs> ha. Puricure. P-U-R-I-K-U-R-A. Panic. P-A-N-I-C. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's, it might be one of those nonsense Japanese things. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but it's something one of our bandmates came up and it sort of stuck. Gotcha. Um, but that's my roommate's band. He asked me to play in that band do some saxophone work here and there. I'm like, sure. Why not? I live here. Might as well. I yeah. hear y'all practice all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Sure. <laughs> um, so that's that band. It's an anime cover band. So we do a lot of anime tunes. Okay. You know, and I love anime music for the wide breadth of its genre. Okay. Anime music might be a genre, but in that genre, there's opera, there's rock, mm-hmm. there's the blues, there's gospel. That's just so much music. That's that 1970s and 80s stuff. That we were from, talking from about, that yeah. that city pop stuff. Oh, oh, I love playing some Stay With Me and some Yu Yu Hakusho. That, yeah. <laughs> that small bomb. Dude, I, I tell you what. It, it, <laughs> this is some good music. It's unreal to me. <laughs> Japanese, to, 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 to think that in the mid-70s there was a hotbed of, I guess, American-inspired jazz in Japan. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes. I was telling somebody, I was playing the song uh, Miki Matsubora's uh, Stay With Me. Mm-hmm. Love that song. In the middle of the song, there's a break. And it goes from being in, uh, it's sort of in, in F major. Mm-hmm. It goes from F major to uh, F minor. Mm-hmm. Like just flips right there for that section and there's a jazz solo. Mm. A saxophone playing a solo in that middle section. Nice. And I'm like, listen to that. That's straight up jazz right there. That's straight up F minor, blues, scale, altered stuff all over the place. Yeah. And then they go back to F major. Sure. <laughs> in the song. Side. Like, Sidebar. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. They, they did a little thigh. They're doing like rock stuff here. And then do a little thigh bar, a little jazz break, and then back to the rock. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Love so, it. So that project's <laughs> aside from anything or unlike anything else that you've been in. That one is unlike anything I've been in. I've been in reggae bands, but this this band is different. We're playing at anime conventions and stuff. Wow. So, yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're trying to... Well, I guess we're piggybacking off of that anime uh, resurgence, I guess. Sure. Because it's, it's definitely everywhere. I see people with the Dragon Ball Z shirts and the, the Demon Slayer shirts and the Attack on Titan shirts and I'm like... Yeah. All this anime stuff. <laughs> all this anime stuff everywhere. And for a guy that loves the stuff, yeah. I used to be anime club president at the university. Oh, okay. Always doing multiple things. Always doing multiple sure. things. Sure, yeah. And so I was like, ah, this is, I'm, I'm, this, this, I feel this. Yeah, it suits you. I feel you. this. <laughs> what, did, it, did it occur to you before you um, linked up with your roommate to do this cover band, did it occur to you um, yes. the depth of the, the genre? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because I've, I've been watching anime since Dragon Ball came on at 6 a.m. in the morning when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was Dragon Ball and then Sonic. <laughs> sure. And I always liked Dragon Ball more than I liked Sonic. Yeah. Sonic was all right. But Dragon Ball was funny. It was raunchy. <laughs> but something a kid really shouldn't have been watching. But right. I mean, eh, a lot of shows at that time, like Batman. Definitely. The DC Batman was so dark. They yeah. would not put that on television for kids now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just, you know. Yeah, it's but, true. But even back then, the so much music that I listened to, um, I remember listening to, um, uh, watching a show called Elven Lead, which is about an experiment done on these humans that gives them superpowers or something or another. And um, the opening song to the show is the Gregorian chant. <laughs> what? In Latin. Where'd that come from? <laughs> in Latin. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It's in the style of a Gregorian chant. And uh-huh. I'm just like, what? <laughs> really? And then I'll listen to like, um, there's a show I, I like called Gunslinger Girl. The opening of that one is pure rock, like in the style of the Carpenters, like rock music. And really? I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, and then Yu Yu Hakusho is of course guitar driven, guitar heavy, sort of grungy, sort of rocky. Yeah, and and it's just uh, it just drew me in. It's yeah, but well, it sounds. Uh, and then you have Nudami Cantable, which is pretty much just classical music yeah. all day, just up and down classical music. Uh, Your line April got people turned on to Claire de Lune again. Love yeah. that song. So, <laughs> but, but <laughs> so what y'all are playing in the um, in the Pure Panic in the anime cover band? The anime cover band. So what y'all are playing is is it also as diverse as all of these styles, or do y'all remain in one vein? Not yet. It's mostly the rock heavy stuff because um, our band leader uh, is is a big Foo Fighters fan. Okay. A big, 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 big. Foo Fighters fan. <laughs> you, you don't see it. If you look around the house enough, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big Foo Fighters fan. Um, so he's in that rock sort of vein a lot. So a lot of the songs right now are either guitar heavy or, you know, they're pretty much just one, two, three, four on the drums. Okay. You know, nothing wrong with that. Sure. But but it definitely leans that way currently. Mm-hmm. Currently. However, we are working on getting a uh, tank 
from the show Cowboy Bebop, which is a bebop jazz tune. Okay. Again, anime covers so much. Yeah. By the way, the seatbelts, freaking phenomenal band. And Yoko can write. Oh my goodness, that lady is a composer. Yeah. Yoko Kano is just an amazing composer. <laughs> is that currently composer. popular overseas in Asia? It's popular here. Is it? They did a live action of Cowboy Bebop that with a flop, but they did a live action of it, and it came out on Netflix. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty much a big deal. <laughs> and Tank. It's all over the place. It's bebop. Yeah. It's bebop. It's straight up bebop. That's funny, huh? <laughs> and the whole album is just amazing like that. They just... Uh, yeah. The whole, the whole album. Well, so y'all are performing. Are y'all going to put out any any albums? Uh, Eventually, yeah. Yeah. That's right it. now we're performing, but, but yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. The plan is to, at some point in the near future, get together, get an album together. Um, really for promotional purposes, to get out more places. Yeah. You know. Well, I would assume though it would only be natural to um, to like implement the sync licensing immediately because I mean you're great. The greatest thing that could happen is it gets picked up by an anime series or something. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. You're, you're on our sure. Yeah. On I mean, our mind frame. Promo. Promo. <laughs> That's promo. 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 <laughs> That's cool. Where does uh, where does performing at these conventions bring y'all to? Where where do you go? Oh, let's see. Um, the latest one, they were in Shreveport, um, went to Shreveport for, I forget the name of that kind. Um, we've been to, when the kind came here to New Orleans, the Mecca kind, we played there. Um, uh, Japan Fest is coming up. We're playing at Japan Fest mm -hmm. at the Noma Museum of Art. So we'll be playing at Japan Fest. Um, so Alabama, Dallas, um, upstate Louisiana. Um, oh, we wanted to do the one in Jackson, but we couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, mm -hmm. so regionally at the moment. It, there's plenty, though, it Yeah, but like. there's plenty. Yeah. There's, well, there's about 20 or 30 anime conventions a year. And how many bands are we talking that are catering to that these are events? Yeah. Not a whole lot. I wouldn't think so. Not a whole so. lot. Not a whole lot. That's interesting. So, yeah, so it's a... It's a niche market. It's a niche market at the moment. Sure. Um, and we're revitalizing. As, as anime becomes more popular and more mainstream, mm -hmm. um, more and more of the clubs around, like the Mushroom, shout out to them for doing one of the first anime nights mm -hmm. in the city. The first anime night that I know of in the city was at the GOAT that we played at. Okay. Um, it was part of Fan Expo. It was the official after party of Fan Expo uh -huh. convention that came here to the city. Yeah. That's the one we played at here. Huh. So we were the official after party. Yeah. At our anime night. That's cool. And the GOAT hosted it. Shout out to them. Yeah. Gasa Gasa does an anime night now. Really? Yeah. That's funny. You know, so you know what's peculiar? These are picking up a little bit. Yeah. You know what's peculiar, though, if you'll notice, after about 20 years, there's, like, inevitably, there's a resurgence because mm -hmm. it's now vintage and that's chic. By I some guess. standard. Do you know I what guess. I mean? Yeah. You know, people start to wear shirts that are 20 years old on purpose. <laughs> Do you know and sometimes I mean? don't know what they're wearing. <laughs> right. Or, you know, it's a reprint made to look like a 20-year-old shirt. You know, it, it, it becomes in, in style. You That's know? a fact. So, I mean, you're, you're 
in the right place at the right time in mm-hmm. a niche market. So, I mean, it sounds like it could really do a lot. You know? Sounds like it. Yeah. If it pops off. I mean, as a musician, you need to be in multiple projects anyway. Sure. <laughs> as a musician. So, the last one is the one I started um, about a year ago at this point. Um, when I was in college, I used to be part of a saxophone ensemble. And I had this amazing, there was this amazing saxophone player named Nick Foster. He's doing like gospel guitar now. Like, Nick, but you were so great on the saxophone. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like you put the teachers to shame with your amazing reading ability. Like he'll just read the notes off a piece of paper. Like, yeah. And even the teachers are like, <laughs> you're just really good. Yeah. You're just really good. Yeah. And his tone, oh, his tone. And now he mostly plays guitar. Yeah. Gospel guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian guitar songs. I'm like, yeah. Nick, what you why, do? Nick? Uh, he's exploring <laughs> like you, you know? But but he was the anchor to the, um, I was the baritone sax player, but he was the soprano, alto, you know, the, he has to switch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Player, and I mean, phenomenal. And what group is this phenomenal. in? You said this a- was at University of New Orleans. So this was part of our ensemble plan. Okay. As part of a music performance, a music ed degree. So this was when the music education degree was still there. And I was getting a music mic. So I needed to play in small ensemble settings. So we started a saxophone. And that's the hidden wind quartet. saxophone No, no, that, that's... This is the current iteration of that because I wanted that back. Gotcha. But this is when I was in school still. And that band was part of a class. Gotcha. So, you know, it was part of a class. And I just loved it so much. I still have recordings of the music. I still listen to it because I'm like, we, we played one piece by Eugene Bosa, amazing composer for saxophone. And, um, and I have people listen to it and say, what you think? What instruments are playing? They're like violins. I'm like, nah, that's four saxophones. Wow. <laughs> Smooth. Saxophones yeah. can sound beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They don't have to be, you know, <laughs> all the time. They can be, <laughs> you know. But it's like you pointed out before we we were talking before we started recording, mm-hmm. and you were talking about the the space that you have. Um, available mm-hmm. to to kind of give that saxophone enough room to. Yeah. To be consumed, I guess, you know? Yeah, because the problem with the saxophone is it's not quite a woodwind instrument, and it's not quite a brass instrument. It's okay, yeah. in the middle. Sure. And and that gives some challenges if you're trying to practice in a small room. Playing that all day, not a problem. I can play softly. Saxophone is a little more difficult to play softly. Sure. So the smaller the room, you have acoustic issues if you're trying to hear yourself right. 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 Um, and if it's too big, the sound goes out and dies because you're not a trombone or a trumpet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you got to find a happy medium. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why you don't see a whole lot of saxophonists practicing because mm-hmm. they really do need a certain kind of space to practice effectively and hear themselves effectively. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I don't. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Most saxophone players also do not like people listening to them practice. No, <laughs> we do not. Yeah. like people listening to us practice. I think that's musicians in general, <laughs> but saxophonists especially. Yeah, they don't like people listening to them practice. That's funny. They don't. Yeah. <laughs>
So how I don't often, know why that is, actually. How often are you playing? I mean, you're playing... Every day. Cause every day, huh? Currently, and then I'll get back to talking about the hit and wind ensemble. Sure. But currently, I'm playing every day almost. And I'm mostly playing on the street because street money is better than club money, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Sure. Um, if it was the opposite way, I would be more in the clubs than on the street. But I make really good money on the street. Being a versatile player that I am, being able to switch from jazz to pop to on be the gospel to reggae to yeah, I'm like, what you want to hear? <laughs> oh, you want them Tamia? Gotcha. You want them Keisha Cole? Gotcha. You want them Pony by Genuine? Gotcha. <laughs> they'll they'll really request that. Well, you want Killers Whisper? Gotcha. How does that translate to <laughs> you sax? You want Mercy, I Mercy, hear. Mercy? Yeah. Gotcha. That's you funny. want them Straight Ahead Blues? I'll do On Green Dolphin Street. I love that tune. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I just published a podcast not too long ago with a violinist. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't Josh Chinese, Curry. Was it? Curry. No. Oh, uh, Curry. Yeah. Yeah. So he said the same thing about busking. He said, you know, I can make better than club money quicker than yes. the time I would spend at the club. And it depends on your versatility. Now, if I didn't have that versatility, um, there was a time period, um, about a two-year time period, when I was just playing with the New Creations Brass Band. Right? We had a regular gig at, a gig at Basel. Sometimes we played two nights a week at, at Basel. Basel. Yeah. yeah. But we had regular gig every Friday. We had the Friday night. Nice. Yeah. Every Friday night. So I was like, mm, yes. yeah. yeah. But at the time, I was still getting better at improvisation. So you know, that was that was at that same point I was doing Tuesdays at the at, at Melbourne's. Okay. So always doing multiple stuff. Sure. But but so I was just trying to get better at improvisation, trying to get better. And when you're limited in what you can do musically, then being in a band playing at a regular gig is. <laughs> You don't have to step out of pocket. Ever. You don't got yeah. it. You know, you only need to do enough to get the job done. Sure. <laughs> um, and and it's one of the ways musicians become a little stumped in their growth, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, being on the street, I see musicians who are pretty good, um, and they're pretty good. Yet, if you listen to them for two or three years, they don't get any better. Okay. They're the same sounding from two, three years ago. In fact, they're playing the exact same music. <laughs> but is that because of the busking or is that because of the person? It's a combination. Oh, of course. It's a combination of that's what people are tipping. Like, I can go out there every day and play Careless Whisper five times <laughs> and make $100. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I guess. But, oh, my goodness, I will not. Right. I get that. <laughs> Just because people want to hear it yeah. and will tip me don't mean I want to play it that much. Sure. And I know it will stunt my growth if I just play that one song. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's comfort. Mm-hmm. And comfort can do that to people sometimes. It, it, it can make you stagnant. And yes. you can make you okay with being stagnant. Exactly. You know? I think that's why Celine Dion, because she talked about hating that song, uh, My Heart Will Go On. Mm-hmm. She hates that song. <laughs> she that's doesn't funny. like it. Because people always ask her to sing it. And she's sure. like, oh, no, I have so much other music. Right. <laughs> Stop asking for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think you have to ever worry about stagnation because you got get so many irons in the fire it forces you to remain creative and versatile that's that's on purpose yeah well i think so that's by design but i mean that's your comfort zone that's my because comfort zone. you were comfortable j- juggling many things back in high school so mm-hmm. 
It's what you're used to. It's what I'm used to. Yeah. But but I remember being in the brass band, and what I liked about that brass band, New Creations brass band, was that we we would do revert brass band tunes pretty much. But we would also like I remember we we started doing, um, Hey Baby, Hey Hey Baby. I believe we were the first band to start doing that. Then other bands picked it up. Oh yeah. <laughs> we started doing that at Vassal's on a regular basis. And now I go around and I'm like, that brass band doing it? That brass band doing it? Nobody was doing this song. I wish they would pick up <clears> on <throat> doing um, the Maroon 5 song that we used to do uh, Sunday morning. Yeah. Because we took that song and said, yeah, we'll just do, we'll do that song. So we were trying to be in the same tradition <laughs> as uh, TBC, To Be Continued Brass Band and, and Free Spirit Brass Band. Sure. You know, it's like, yeah, pay homage, but then add something new. <laughs> absolutely you know absolutely so that's what i liked about that band when i was in it mm -hmm. you know we weren't just playing saint james infirmary and, and little lives of jane and yeah we were like mixing it up a little bit yeah <laughs> real quick bit. what is what is your opinion of the situation that exists where it's easier to make more money busking on the street than it is in the clubs like What's your take on that? What's your? How do you feel about that? Can't be too good. I mean, you're, it's, it's you're not. But being being the person I am, I try not to be reactionary and and judgmental sure. about things. I try to see it from from perspectives, right? Sure. And I know the the owners of the club are in a little bit of a predicament, you know, because. They're worried about making money. It's, it's unfortunate also that a lot of the owners of the club aren't local. Uh, that's unfortunate. It <laughs> <That laughs> probably know? plays a role in it. It plays a role. Yeah. So they're, they're more looking at the money of it than looking at the heritage. Support. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, shout out to Starlight Lounge. She she gets it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> Even if she doesn't make much, she's still like, I'll give you a 200 or $300 guarantee depending on what you're doing. Yes. Like, I'll give you that. Even if we don't get anybody in here, yeah. you got that. Beautiful. <laughs> like, yeah. we need more owners like that. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but, so shout out to her, Starlight Lounge. Shout out. Um, but, but other than that, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's stinginess. I don't know if it's greed. I know, I know they got to worry about the bottom lines. And I know they got to worry about all this other stuff. Yeah. I know. But... Four hours of plan and making forty or fifty dollars is just—it's uh, yeah. <laughs> not it. That shouldn't even be suggested. It's not it. Yeah. And and so many bands do that in the city. Yeah. And it's just four or five hours on the street on a good day when there's a crowd. Mm -hmm. That's four hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Easy. That's something. Forty, four hundred. Yeah. I look at the economics of it and decided, you know, I'll mostly just put on the street. But you know what's funny gigs. is you can have the tip bucket on a stage in the in the venue, in the bar or whatever, mm -hmm. and you're not going to get as many people tipping as you would out in the street. It's a different atmosphere. I mean, they assume that you're getting some kind of guarantee <laughs> that is worth something. Right. <laughs> and you're not. Right. You're just not. That's funny. You know, um, I mean, part of the decline could have been the decline of our musicians union. I, I heard they recently got reorganized like a couple months back, like mm -hmm. eight months back. The New York musicians union was like, 
Okay, we're going to go down there and finally straighten this up down there in New Orleans. Gotcha. But starting in the 70s, the musicians' union was pretty much broken here in the city. It was pretty much... Broken. Um, yeah, because there was some Louisiana law that got passed. Uh, I got to confirm this stuff. That's right. I got to do some digging into it. Okay. But from what I hear, yeah, there was some kind of law that got passed that prevented the musicians' union from negotiating with the venue. Okay. Right? So when that got cut off, then it became, well, <clears throat> if the musician union can't negotiate with this venue. You're not truly represented. Then why am I paying dues to this sure. <laughs> thing over here? Yeah. What are they doing for me? Right. <laughs> so it became that. Um, and then the decline of it. And now when you look at the list of members, most of them are like LPO people and it's like, when I look at that list, I'm like, who on here is playing on a regular basis? Right. <laughs> In the clubs. Very few. Hmm. So most musicians are not even part of the union. Well, weak they, they, union, they dispense with it like you money. saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just goes hand in hand. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I, I'm always pro-union. Sure. I'm always pro-union. Yeah. And, and I would like to see the union increases the musician union increase their membership again yeah but i mean they do need to get better <laughs> they they've i've heard stories well I, so that's part of it and so you got the the owners are part of it the 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 weakness of the union is part of it the the fact that you can make more money on the street is part of it yeah and and the fact of how people tip you know and what they like is sure. part of it um, it's, it's also a shame that part of the reason why clubs suck, club playing sucks, is because a lot of the club owners, and it, this is a club owner thing, I think, mostly, they only want a certain kind of music, right? So if you go in there and say, oh, I want to do some straight-ahead jazz, most of them be like, man, get out of here. We don't jazz do doesn't sell, surprisingly. Exactly. You'll hear, you'll hear that said Exactly. Everywhere. Now, there was a little bit of it going on in pockets. Mm-hmm. But pockets. Sure. <laughs> and usually not well attended, because I was at a lot of those pockets. <laughs> not oh, yeah. well attended. How many jazz tunes are in the top 40? Zero. Exactly. So those bar owners want winners. <laughs> you know, top 40. So that's what they want you to play, or they want you to play the raunchy, you know, Frenchman Street stuff now. Mm-hmm. Which is, there's nothing wrong with it. That stuff is fun to play. I wouldn't do it every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it is fun to play. Yeah. It is fun to jam out. It is fun to get some booty shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> but it's not very musical. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Technically. It's it just is. groove. Good yeah, it's music, just yeah. Groove pretty much. It's just feel good music, get people drunk. Sure. Get them buying drinks at the bar. Yeah. So so when you're playing those gigs, you're usually saying, Buy some drinks at the bar, because we get a percentage of it. Buy some drinks. Tip your bartender. Yeah, yeah. Shake your booty. Get sure. drunk some more. Sure. <laughs> Do the hokey pokey. Turn yourself around. <laughs> it's detrimental. Yeah. In, it in is. a lot of ways. And, and I don't want to poo poo on anybody's fun. Have fun. Sure. Have fun. That's what we play for. We play for the enjoyment. But at the same time, maybe mm, set the bar a little bit higher. Just a little. A little bit. Yeah. Just a tiny. Sure. Just a tiny bit. We've gotten to the point where you walk down Frenchman Street, you'll hear the same song from three clubs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah. That's not why you have live bands. Right. You don't have live bands to be a jukebox playing the same top 40 song over and over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's not why you got us here. Yeah. But um, Could you tell uh, the listeners where they can find some of the projects that you're working on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's the new page that I set up that I'm starting to post stuff to. Okay. Um, so that's Hit and Win Saxophone Ensemble Facebook page. Okay. Um, you can also find information about the New Orleans Concert Band on their website, uh, neworleansconcertband.com. Okay. Yeah, all one word, neworleansconcertband.com. Sure. Uh, you can find stuff about the Post Legion Band, too. Ooh, I forget that. Just type in Post Legion Band 350 and something should pop up. <laughs> I believe they have a web page, too. I'm just forgetting the title of it. And Puricura Panic has a Facebook page as well. Puricura Panic. Okay. P-U-R-I-K-U-R-A-P-A-N-I-C. Puricura Panic. Okay. So the, the next thing that works for me uh, recently, currently, is Puricura Panic. Um, we're doing new And the music. convention that's coming up. We got a convention coming up. So and then you also that. have... Um, so, uh, and Hit and Win Ensemble, we have nothing planned yet. I got to call people. I got to call people. You know, the, the thing about being a band leader is you got to do all this legwork. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all you the wear unglamorous many stuff. It's many all the hats. unglamorous stuff. Yeah. Like, There's a lot behind the scenes. I literally got to go down and do it like we was doing in the 90s. I got to go down with a bunch of business cards and be like, yo... Here's my band. Whatever it takes, Here's man. Here's what we sound like. Yeah. Whatever Maybe it takes. you'll have us. <laughs> now you did say you're going to have uh, a recital of sorts. That You'll find that on the New Orleans Concert Band website. Okay. So you'll find that there. Is that going to be in Lafreniere? Or no, is it no. Gonna that's at UNO. University it's of New be Orleans. at UNO. Okay. 3 p.m. Free concert. All of the community band concerts are free. Suggest You can donate, but it's, it's free. Sure. They're, they're just things we put on because when we enjoy the music we have a pretty nice contingent of 300 400 people that come out to every one of these nice we should have that hall full yeah it's just so, such good music and it's free right <laughs> it so just blows to, my mind to sort of recap for the listeners on that that's october 21st at 3 p.m mm -hmm. on uno's campus and that's the new orleans concert band mm -hmm. okay and uh, how many how many pieces in that band? Oh, man. We have like 70-something. Sounded like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking timpanis, bells, <laughs> wow. trombone, tubas, uh, double B-flat bass um, trump tubas, and, and regular tubas. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking French horns. And, Beautiful. And like 20-something 20, 20 clarinets and, and like seven, six or seven saxophones and, and the whole flutes and, <laughs> and piccolos and soprano saxes and... Yeah, the the trumpet and the cornets and yeah, we're talking yeah the whole milieu. <laughs> of, sure of things. And what does Norman Roberts play? Euphonium, and he's really good. I'm not familiar with the euphonium, but he's you got to throw really that in the list good. of instruments you would name in. The euphonium, <laughs> yeah, the euphonium is like a mini tuba. Okay. <laughs> well, like then I've seen tuba. it before. I just didn't yeah, know what it was. It's like a small tuba. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool, man. Thanks so much for your time, Christopher. I appreciate it, man. No problem. <laughs> all right. Check it out. We all pretty much start off like jam bands. We get together, we push our souls out through the speakers. We look around the stage and read off of one another. And, you know, after so much time, we know where the next person is going. 
aside from those connections, we build connections with the fans, and that means the world to us. That's why listeners like yourself are so important to us. We'd love to have you back, so hit the button and follow the show. You can also support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash New Orleans Music. That's buymeacoffee.com slash New Orleans Music. And remember, you can find music videos, albums, articles, and interviews with bands like my own, Pocket Chocolate, on neworleansmusicians.com. Thanks for listening.